Lord, we're, we're asking that your, that light would just shine on this, uh, this world, Lord, and all around us, our neighbors and the local, the bi-state Missouri, Illinois, the, the whole country, all 50 states, Canada, Mexico, all South, Central, South America, all around the planet, Lord, all through Europe, all through Asia, all through every nation, Lord, all through the people groups, all 8 billion of us. Lord, be magnified, be glorified, be exalted. And Lord, take what I share today and help it to make sense and feed and spiritually uh, stir people. And I, I ask that you would use me, Lord, to be a, a bring spiritual nutrition in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse, uh, let's see, 18 talks about prayer in the spirit. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. That would be under the guidance and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, with the help from the Holy Spirit, and that our spirit would be engaged with God. And he says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit, with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And you know, whenever you have a speaker speak, you could pray. Paul asked that utterance would be given to him at the opening of his mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. So I want to talk to you about praying in the Spirit, and I want to break it down a little bit in the New Testament. And I want to go first to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and we're going to look at verse 1. These are our texts on, on uh, Friday nights. I'm teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and just to get some biblical understanding on it. Chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Pursue love and yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts. Pursue love. How many of you have been exhorted to walk in love. I'm looking at, at Mike here, he's married to Carrie, and we're told as he's married, I'm married, then Ephesians 5, we're to love our wives like Christ loved the church. Ephesians 5, 2 says we're to walk in love, all of us. So love is, uh, the, is the principal main, it's, it's the thing that's going to last forever. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, uh, these three abide, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. So pursuing love, we get it, but, you know, we don't stop there. We're, we're also to desire earnestly spiritual gifts. And in the case of this verse here, it says especially that you may prophesy. And it goes into the next part. It says, for the one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, does not speak to men, but to God. So speaking in tongues is an amazing provision that we are to operate in. But in this case, with ministry in, the, in a local church setting during a meeting, he's saying prophecy is going to be more edifying because it will be understood. And, uh, but I'm telling you, praying in tongues is edifying. It says, the one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but for no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. Now, that's pretty, I don't know if you, you, you realize it, but praying in the spirit, we're praying mysteries. We're praying out mysterious things. And it's really a pretty amazing thing. You know, and since the Bible talks about this, uh, we shouldn't ignore it or get creeped out by it. It's actually fantastic. 
And uh, since it's in the Bible, and uh, the Holy Spirit was sent to help us, you know, he said in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, boy, I love this verse. I know I was going to go to 1 Corinthians 12, but I'm jumping over to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, but you will, re- let's read this out loud together. Ready? Let's read. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even the remotest part of the earth. How about that? He said, it's to your advantage that I go away because I'm going to send you a helper. And uh, he will guide you into all the truth. He will take from Jesus and reveal to you. Everybody say, God the Father, his son Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Fascinating, uh, mysterious, wild. What a blessing to know and have this beautiful document called God's Word, which is provided to us so we can see and understand as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So since this is biblical, we, uh, we embrace it. You know, since this is the Bible uh, and it's, it's a God's established pattern for us, uh, which the Holy Spirit as the comforter comes to, he testifies about Jesus. And uh, he, he's the spirit of truth. And he'll guide us into all the truth, as I said, John 16, 13. Well, God ordained this for the church. And uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 17, he, one of the things that they'll follow, signs that will follow believers is they'll speak in tongues. So um, we, have to underst- we have to study this and not be afraid of it or, or, or uh, be concerned about it. This is a first-time visitor young man from uh, New Hampshire, and his mom's from uh, Massachusetts, and uh, I tried to outrun him, and he beat me. I couldn't. I, I, he, he ran the building, and I, I thought, man, he feels comfortable, and he's running around. He's a blessing. I'm glad he's here tonight. He's got a destiny, and he's got a lot of energy, too. God bless his mama. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Let's look at that right now. 1 Corinthians 12, 1. If you're a note taker, write these down and study these. 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Paul the Apostle, I'm reading the New American Standard Translation. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts. Um, it, it is, the Greek word is charismata. It's, it's things pertaining to and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, concerning the things of the Spirit. Concerning the subject of the Holy Spirit, concerning the endowments of what he comes to download and supply to us. Brethren, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. I do not want you to be unaware. And in uh, the King James, it says, I do not want you to be ignorant. The root word for ignorant is to ignore. So I don't want you to ignore these things. I want you to study these things. Uh, the New Living, New Living Translation says, I do not want you to misunderstand these things. And the New International Version, the NIV, says, I do not want you to be uninformed. You've heard the phrase, knowledge is power. Uh, You've heard the scripture, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. It It is emphatic and important and precious to God that we get a hold of these things. Um... In order to gain clarity on the vital, this vital subject, we must continue to delve into and study what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. And uh, so, 
There are nine gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. You have time to read them? Let's read them. It says that he's given all these gifts. There are varieties of gifts, varieties of ministries, varieties of effects. But God, the same God, he works all things in all persons. Philippians 2.13 says, God is at work in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. There, you are a work. You're his workmanship. You're a work in progress. He's the potter. You're the clay. And your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're the container that the Holy Spirit now resides in. We saw uh, Indiana Jones, and we saw the Raiders of the Lost Ark, and we see the History Channel talk about maybe the Ark of the Covenant is hidden by the Ethiopians in Africa somewhere, and they've got all these issues and opinions, and that, you know, that it's, it, it was the container of the power of the presence of God. There were three things in the Ark of the Covenant. Does anybody remember what they were in Hebrews? There, um, there was manna to show God's provision. There were the tablets, which showed God's laws, and Aaron's rod, which showed uh, the ministry that God has in the earth. Aaron was a, a high, was a priest unto God, and so ministry, provision, and the law. Well, God has downloaded all those things into each one of us. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to tell you, the Holy Spirit, he is precious. It's vital that we come to terms with how amazing God the Father, his son Jesus, and the Holy Spirit uh, are and their functions. And three in one, which is a mystery, and it's completely trippy. I had a friend who said, I figured out the Trinity, but then I forgot. And I thought that, that's a pretty good summary of, of theology, you know. And, um, you know, we could delve into this for all of our lives. And then when we, as soon as we die, we leave our bodies, we're going to have a big, oh, now I get it. So heaven's going to be awesome. Heaven's going to be awesome. Um, but we need to bring days of heaven on the earth. And this is why God has equipped with varieties of effects, varieties of ministries, and varieties of gifts. And he gives each one, he gives, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, for the common good. See, uh, that's really something that is of God's concern. He wants the common good. He wants things to go out in, in a way that society is impacted by his people and society is benefited by uh, this, the behavior of the saints, right? And it says, for to one is given the word of wisdom. Everybody say the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge, say the word of knowledge. To another, special kinds of faith, say that, special kinds of faith, by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing, say gifts of healing, by the Spirit. To another, the effecting or working of miracles, say working of miracles. To another, prophecy, everybody say prophecy. Distinguishing or discerning of spirits, say discerning of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Then it says, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. Now, I want to, tonight, just spend some more time about praying in tongues. Um, Paul said, I thank my God I speak in tongues. And there are, there's a personal application for praying in the Spirit. And then there's a biblical uh, dis, a ministry display within a, the context of a service 
And that's a subject we'll, we'll delve into in another time. But I want to just spend a little bit of time talking about the biblical purposes for speaking in tongues. Number one, we're talking to God. And we're speaking mysteries. And, and, uh, and I'll tell you, one of the things that I am most appreciative of with this gift is we really don't know what to pray about as we ought. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Paul the Apostle writing to the Roman church. He's clearing this up. He says, uh, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. You know, we get up in the morning and we look at the day and we don't know what it holds. We, we watch the news cycle and we see we're in a, an election year and we're in this country that has you know, government of the people, by the people, for the people, and there's some things we know to pray about, but often we just don't have full, like this Bible says, or this verse says, uh, we don't often know what to pray about as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Now, you could pray in the Spirit with your understanding, and you could pray, praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. And the Holy Spirit wants to help us in our prayer life, where we're picking things up, his spirit bearing witness with our spirit, his, uh, that still small voice. Um, I want to demystify this because it says in Proverbs, I think it's 20, verse 27, that the spirit of the man is the candle or the lamp of the Lord, searching the innermost parts of his being. The spirit of man, the spirit of a woman or the spirit of a man is that part of us that God chooses to enlighten and illuminate. Um, that's why I don't live primarily for sensory reinforcement. My, though I appreciate my five physical senses and I enjoy when I, I tangibly sense the presence of God on the occasions when I do and it's a wonderful dividend but it's not the central way or means with which God leads us. He leads us by his word. He leads us by his spirit. His spirit bearing witness with our spirit is somewhat subtle. And I heard a pastor say that he saw that some of the greatest miracles in his life when he followed the most subtle impressions of the Holy Spirit. So I'm, as I'm preaching this, I'm preaching with that in mind. And I want you guys to be cognizant of and familiar with and not unaware, not ignorant, uh, not ill-informed. I want you to have a rock-solid handle on salvation, which is not by works. It's not by our own efforts. It's not by anything that man can manufacture. It's not by us jumping through religious hoops. Uh, it is a, it's, we're saved by grace through faith, and that is a gift of God. It's not according to works. Otherwise, we'd be able to boast. And our only boast is in the mercy of God that he would actually shine light on us and bring repentance to us and convict us and reveal himself to us and present his son to us and we by calling on the name of the Lord whoever calls on Jesus everybody say Jesus whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved and it's a mystery but it's amazing and I thought it was cool and I never thought about this because I didn't know it but Asher Ben Ruby smash from the morning show on uh KC95 got saved in 1995. That's good local history right there. 
I like that. That's just, I just realized that. And one time he was in church and there was a guy saying, man, there, Smash is here. Like, I want you to go preach to him. And, and, and Smash said to me, hey, he thinks I'm not saved, so let's play this for a while. <laughs> See, I love this church, man. You can, you can have some fun with it. He's pretending he's not saved. Well, so tell me more about that. I'm, I'm th- kind of thinking about that. But uh, salvation is a gift, and so is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In fact, last Friday, you know, we, pe- we stacked the chairs to prepare for the great ladies' breakfast that you did last year. It was last month, last week, whatever it was. We've had so many 50,000 things since, but that was a powerful breakfast. You preached a great word. She preached about, you know, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Pastor Patsy was talking with us about practicing the presence of God. Brother Lawrence was a guy in a, in a, uh, a monastery, and all the guys were in the chapel praying and so forth and kneeling and praying and studying. And he had kitchen, he had KP, kitchen duty. So he was in there uh, peeling potatoes, and he, it occurred to him he could have just as much of connection with the Lord standing on his feet working at the sink. Uh, as the people that were in the more pious setting. And that really is a revelation that then it's Jesus in our everyday life. And this movement that I'm part of is a relational thing. It's a, it's, it, we're called to relationship with God. And it's, um, you know, the, the experience I had running into, in, into wide awake, technicolor, authentic, genuine believers was that, wow, this, this resonates with me. I could tell your life has been changed. I, you, you're, you're not putting on religious affectations. You're, it seems like it's making you practical and, and, and real. And I went, back, I went to church for four weeks in a row with a girl named Jill. She picked me up and drove me there. And, and it, I, I'm just so happy I heard such good teaching from authentic people who had been through some stuff in the, you know, the hippie culture. And they came out of it. None of them were in a cult. I was grateful I didn't get involved with something that was, you know, aboriginal and false and um, uh, abhorrent, abhorrent, not aboriginal, abhorrent. And uh, uh, anyway, I'm trying to be fancy with my words, and I missed so much for that. I thankfully didn't get into the Kool-Aid, drink the Kool-Aid thing. Anyway, they were genuine, solid Christians. And then they they led me to Jesus uh, one month into the meeting. And then uh, they laid hands on me, and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and immediately spoke in other tongues, not knowing what I was doing at that point. So it just underscores that it's supernatural. And in the Bible, they were saved in Ephesus, but they, they said, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? So we didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. And so they were already born again, already water baptized, already pressing into God, and, you know, rock solid with the Lord. But there was this additional benefit there was this additional benefit, and so um, they, Philip preached to them, and then he called for uh, Peter and John, and they laid hands on them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So Friday night, while we were stacking chairs, right over here, while Joe Kowalik was uh, issuing orders for the chairs and the tables on the microphone, this guy walked up to me with his friend, and he said, hey, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I was in the middle of stacking chairs, and I'm, you know, and it was like, okay, and he said, how do you get baptized in the Holy Spirit? And I said, well, one of the ways in the New Testament was through the laying on of hands. 
And uh, it's not just for the original apostles, because a guy named Saul of Tarsus got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and a, and a believer named Ananias, who was a, not in the ministry, laid hands on Saul of Tarsus, and he got wonderfully baptized in the Holy Spirit. So right there, right next to the stack of chairs, while Joe was talking, and I waited till he was done, and then as soon as he was done, I mean, it was loud in here. Oh, it didn't feel like, you know, like a sanctuary. It felt like a... Um, we were getting ready for a, a big banquet. But I laid hands on him and prayed for him. He, I led him in a prayer. He, he was sure rock solid with Jesus. He prayed, he believed, he received. And I said, okay, uh, I'll see you later. So he goes home. We have the Saturday breakfast. And then I'm at the front door greeting folks on the, one of the services, I think, the 930 service. And in walks this guy. And I see him and I go, how you doing? And he goes, Great. I said, did you speak in tongues? He said, yes, I did. So it wasn't due to my prompting. It wasn't uh, something artificial. It was something, it is something that is so precious. It is authentic. And um, when, you, when you speak in tongues, listen, here's one of the reasons that is, I, I want to encourage you to pursue it. In, in 1 Corinthians 14, 4, it says, He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself edifies himself. And um, Greek language scholars tell us that a good way to describe edify would be, uh, in modern terminology, would be um, to charge as used in connection with a charging station for your, uh, you know, your electric, whatever you have. You know what I'm saying? So um, I have a friend in Las Vegas, and he drives to see his kids in California and he has a charging station, and it's right next to a coffee shop. So he pulls up in his, um, his Tesla, parks it, plugs it in, gets a coffee. So he gets jacked up on electricity and caffeine. Then he gets back and fin finishes going across the desert to go visit his kids on the coast. And uh, he, t he was explaining to me how he has it all figured out, and he's... He's sort of geeking out on it, you know, so he's explaining it to me, and I'm like, you know, and I'm thinking about just, you know, make sure that I, I have a little more than the, the, the little, where the needle isn't hitting the E on my tank. I'm pretty good. I could get home and back with that, you know. And uh, although one time I drove my wife's car after jump, uh, after I think the umpteenth day of the second week of jump, and I was driving, and all of a sudden the car went, choo, 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 and I pulled over into the, into the shoulder, and I looked, and I had run out of gas, and there was the gas station, and there was the church. You ever been in that kind of situation? You're on your way to a meeting, and it's like, you know. Well, when you pray in tongues, you, you, you're building yourself up on your most holy faith. In fact, let's look at Jude 20. Jude 20 summarizes this differently. When you speak in tongues, you edify yourself. And that's what I saw in that man in the, in the 930 service. He just had a glow about him. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Uh, that's a powerful statement. And what it's exhorting us toward 
is similar to what I started with in Ephesians 6.18, where uh, we're to pray uh, in the Spirit on behalf of all the saints. So I pray a lot. You know, Paul said, I thank my God I speak in tongues. So I pray in the Spirit, and I pray with my understanding. In fact, Paul said, what should I do, you know? Uh, he said when he goes to a service, he would rather speak five words in an understandable language than 10,000 words in tongues because it's impertinent to people. Plus, let, here's another thing. When, when you're, it says when you pray in tongues, your spirit prays, but your mind is unfruitful. Now, I want to say that praying in tongues is not anti-intellectual. Praying in tongues is extraordinarily intellectual because it's biblical. And if, and if God bothered to give this to the early church, and I'm a continuationist, I believe it's absolutely available for today. This is a gift that is available for today. The early church really needed it. The, Middle Age, the Dark Ages church, the Renaissance church, the, 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 the colonial Puritan church, the Pilgrim church, the, the indigenous church, the, the urban church, the rural church, the suburban church, still needs everything the Bible has provided. We still have available to us this amazing supernatural provision. So when that guy came up to me, I'm a little rusty with praying for people to be filled with the Spirit because, you know, uh, I, I just am. When I, when I got out of Bible school and we were in our early 20s, I went to England with the intention of just, we went over there and moved over there with uh, Chelsea. We went to Liverpool, and we preached all over the Midlands, all over the uh, Cheshire, where the Cheshire cat was. And, um, and every day we preached. We, had, we were itinerating, preaching. We had to ask them to stop scheduling us so we could have a break. And it was wonderful. We were young, and we were enthusiastic. It was right around the end of the punk rock period. We were winning a lot of punk rockers to the Lord. Uh, it was beautiful. We were... Uh, we were having some great results, and while we fasted and prayed, the Lord reminded me, hey, I wanted you to be planted in Chesterfield, build a home base in Chesterfield, from which to reach the nations of the world. And, you know, one time, Carrie Layton, who was working on our staff at the time, um, he, he said, what does that mean? And, and it's, it build means to get in and, and pioneer and, and occupy till he comes and pray and preach and prophesy and have Christmas productions and have ladies' uh, breakfasts and have, have uh, seniors' lunches and, and have outreaches and, you know, go on short-term mission trips and do all the things that are particular that this book guides us in. Study, worship. You know, I love praise and worship. You know, Lisa and LaDonna were leading us in the songs. I love the song choices they had. So just we could affirm, God, you're so good. God, you're so good to me. I just want to thank you, right? That's better than murmuring and complaining. And um, yes, I preached, on, I preached on evangelism, and I preached on being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I went to an Assembly of God church, which is a famous classical Pentecostal church that since the turn of the last century has espoused these truths. Well, when I preached this, the... Um, Youth pastor wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit, and the worship leader wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so I said, oh, well, let's get you baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they were, they were so yearning for it, but needed biblical understanding on, the, on the, the biblical and correct way to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is by faith, just like you receive Jesus. 
you receive Jesus. And by the way, we all need Jesus. Uh, what, who's the guy from, uh, what was the guy's name? Ryan, who just died at 82. Um, Ryan O'Neill. I mean, everybody needs Jesus. No matter how handsome or hunky or married to Farrah Fawcett or whatever, you need Jesus, right? And uh, so I want to make sure uh, under my watch, um, it's impossible to ignore Jesus. I want St. Louis to hear the steady awareness that Jesus Christ is Lord, right? Not in an obnoxious, threatening way, not in some sort of religious way, not in some sort of, you know, uh, churchy, church-speak way, but just, man, the plausible, authentic, valid, life-changing provision of Jesus. You know, we talked to a guy, and he said he didn't like organized religion, and I thought, well, you can come to our church. It's kind of disorganized. So it's like, <laughs> right? And... uh you know, he must have gotten burned somewhere along the line. And, you know, I just pray that nothing, who hasn't, I know. But, but we can't let the, the bad, bad behaviors of the followers inhibit us from following through on the leader. The leader is impeccable, right? Jesus is so wonderful. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. And he said, I will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. So he, in fact, is the baptizer. So through the laying on of hands, I prayed for the guy, and it's funny because his, friends, his friend was standing there, and he, too, is a Christian. He said, I, I, I'm just hanging out. I'm just along for the ride. He, he was, I was like, that's cool, bro. That's cool. I'm not going to, you know, all of a sudden, like, Wah! you know, and sparks start flying. In fact, it was probably not the most ideal setting for that kind of spiritual phenomenon, and yet it was. Because that's just how God is. Whether it's a real quiet, special, spiritual moment in a church service, or whether it's while we're on the go in our, in our busyness of life, He is available to save, to heal, to deliver, to answer prayer. He responds to you. He loves you. His ear is inclined to the prayer of the upright. He sees your commitments. He sees your sacrifices. He sees your faith. He sees your desperation. He sees the trickery of the devil trying to barrage you. And he is, he loves you. That's why he calls you his beloved. All right? And it's so awesome to know, hey, I know God loves me. God's not putting garbage on me. Jesus came to bring abundant life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's who I have an issue with here. He's the thief. He's the father of lies. I'm not blaming God for this stuff. God is good. God's the one I run to for help. Well, but he's, he's sovereign and he has everything under control. and all. It's like, well, then it's like, so then, God, you just had the devil do this to me? And you allowed all this for this? It, 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 just, it, it goes beyond semantics. We need to understand God. There's a minister who got in trouble for saying this. God is a good God and the devil is a bad devil. He had people rip him for that. It's like, ooh, that's what Jesus said. John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Everybody's, that's bad. Right? Say it. That's bad. He said, I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I love the word abundant life. My wife and I got married at a church called Abundant Life Church. 
And I love the title of it, and I love the idea of it. I love the doctrine of it. I love the theology of it. So when a guy goes, oh, yeah, I got burned by religion. I get more from God when I, I surf. Well, I get out in the ocean. I love the ocean. I love the mountains. I love the desert. I love the forest. I love it all. And, uh, but see, because creation declares the glory of God. But I love the church. I love the body of Christ. And I love the word. And I love to pray. And I love this idea that tongues is a, is a tangible sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm convinced the initial evidence of, of, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that the Bible says if you ask, he'll give you the Holy Spirit. That, to me, is the initial sign, what the Word of God says. And, but yet, then, they, it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, let's look at this, we're almost done. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, if I keep going, we're going to be doing the matinee of the Christmas production, and I have to change clothes. <laughs> when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly, everybody say suddenly, there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the house. Boy, that had to be an interesting moment. And the Bible says, and there appeared on them uh, tongues of fire. Uh, distributing themselves, and they rested on each and every one of them. And there were 120 in the upper room. It wasn't just like a select, uh, let's put some halos on Peter, James, and John. It was, let's put the fire on Mary and all the 120. The, uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. She was included in. They were, she raised Jesus uh, and, and then at a, at a pivot moment, she realized he was the Messiah. And so she then turns around and submits to Jesus as Lord for the rest of her life. And, 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 and so fire came on these guys. And look at what it says in verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, with, in England... Um, I had a, I, Pastor Patsy and I had a, a steps that we were prepared to do to help people. And we got a lot of people filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was wonderful. It was wonderful. And the lights went on and the joy came. And it was a, it was a help. It was significant. And uh, it was easy. And it's going to get easier now. And I'm actually preaching this for you to be, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, like the guy last Friday, you could get it. And uh, at any point, you can, you can receive the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And these gifts start operating in your life. These gifts start operating. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit. You start praying, and God begins to speak things to you and guide you. you say, well, I don't, I don't want it to be off. I don't either. I'm very concerned. I don't want anything to be off. I don't want it to be a, a counterfeit or demonic. I don't want anything like that. I want, but since this is biblical, we might as well roll up our sleeves and say, God, in the name of Jesus, I lay claim to all your provision. And all your promises are yes and amen. So I'm going to say yes to your promises and receive. I see this as biblical. I'm not afraid of it. I'm trusting you for it. And um, as it incorporates in my life, I know that there will be equipping. It'll help me. And, uh, and uh, you know, there's, 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 God's called us to the supernatural. 
How do you think this church is still here and at it the way it's been? It's just, it, it's, I have to pastor supernaturally. I have to lead supernaturally. I have to be a husband supernaturally. We all need God. We all need God. And I pray for research scientists a lot because I want to see Alzheimer's healed, cancer healed, heart you know, stuff healed. I want to see people live out their days. I've done enough funerals where I'd just rather have people have life extensions, live out their days, and be healthy all the way to the end, and just go home to be with the Lord. That's what, I really don't like to see suffering. I don't like to see sickness. I absolutely hate it, because I know where it comes from. It comes from the devil. And so I reckon, well, Lord, we just you're the Lord that heals us. You're the chief physician. So I'm just tapping into that. I'm laying claim to that, right? And my God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And this is one of the great provisions. How many of you agree being saved by grace through faith is a big deal? You've heard me talk about this, and I won't go into it, but I was lost at sea in New Zealand, and when I was found, I was relieved. Uh, I, I had a boat wreck, and the U.S. Coast Guard rescued us, took us in a helicopter. I came in in critical condition, and God saved me. And my friend in particular, he was bleeding out, and he was five minutes away from death. I know a guy that was a, uh, OD'd on the floor, and God delivered him from five minutes of de- uh, within five minutes of death. So uh, I appreciate rescue. Colossians 1.13. Well, I'm, I'm going back and forth with salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but there's, there, they are really, there's such amazing provisions. And he, Jesus, rescued us from the domain, the domination of darkness, the manipulation of Satan, the, 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 the seized, sick, diseased world system. And he transferred, translated, brought us over into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Can I just tell you how happy I am to be forgiven of my sins? I was in damnable sin going to hell. I was a good sinner, and I was on my way straight to hell. By good sinner, I mean I was really skilled at it. I was lost. You ever been lost? Who to admit it? Most of us guys would never. No, I'm not lost. I'll find my way. I know what I'm. I know what I'm doing. Right. But I was dead in my trespasses and sins. But Jesus came and brought his defibrillator paddles and said, "Clear," and zapped me and got me right back to life. I don't share this often, but, you know, he says your old men will dream dreams. And I had a dream. And the dream, I was in my driveway. And the sky looked like it was about to storm. And I was standing by a car. And uh, I thought, oh, no, I better get out of here. I'm, it's going to rain. And, it, and it, all of a sudden, it's, the, the atmosphere changed, but I didn't get wet. And so then I, I said out loud, I said, God, is this your glory? And just then, I got, I got lifted up off my feet, and I got raised up perpendicular with the ground. <laughs> it's trippy. But this, uh, I don't share this often, but this, this was a spiritual dream. And then, not once, but twice, I felt like God gave me CPR. And I have never been the same since. 
I had been through such a protracted battle of darkness for so long that I was getting used to it. I was just operating under the handicap of it and just pressing on like, okay, whatever, you know. But God's grace is sufficient. He told Paul with the thorn, he said, my grace is sufficient. Power is perfected in weakness. That didn't mean he's sticking in with a thorn. The thorn was a messenger of Satan. That was from the devil. But he's basically saying, just keep pressing on because you're more than a conqueror and all these things you, you overwhelmingly conquer, right? And that's for some people in here right now. In case you're having difficulty in your marriage or your finances are like, what? You know, and you got to say, let's have Christmas in August. You know, <laughs> let's put that, let's, you know, I mean, and it's real. Or you're battling symptoms and you're sitting here going, Pastor Jeff, I need a miracle in my body. Well, he is the miracle worker. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it took something for you to get here. I don't think it's a coincidence that you're here right now. Some of you have such interesting backgrounds. Some of you, your ancestors were from Europe. I know somebody who lived in Cuba, and now, and now, and now they're here, and, there's, and you've had all this, this heritage. And, and our, our, what country are you from? Mexico? Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and all, the, all the nations that are represented. Uh, we had our Ward 4 city council uh, person here at the ladies' breakfast, she comes to all of them, and she told us this community has the highest concentration of diverse ethnicity of any community in Missouri. I thought, yeah, that is cool. So we, we're reaching the nations right from our own positioning in the valley. And I'm talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I have a book in my backpack that I, t- I talked to T.L. Osborne, the author of it, the purpose of Pentecost. He went through the spirit-filled movement from the 1920s on and the healing movement and, and, and all kinds of... He was the prototype for Reinhard Bonnke with those giant, uh, giant meet, mass meetings. And he would have healing in mass and people would be spirit-filled in the, by the multitudes. He would rent bullfighting rings in Cuba right before the revolution. And he got, he got in there right before and got out right when the door was slamming shut. So he sowed all kinds of seed in that. He, would, he, would, he, told, he told another pastor friend of mine, and that came to me as well, that watch for refugees. Because when you see refugees, those are people who are previously unreachable. Paul the Apostle, Acts chapter 13, they gathered together and there were about six people that prayed. And uh, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I've called them. Then they prayed some more. They laid hands on them. They sent them out. Something that had never happened before happened then. A door of faith was opened to the Gentiles. God is opening doors no man can shut. Uh, This Christmas production, I'm going to tell you what my wife and I think about it. It's an opportunity for us to engage with people and communicate the life-changing message of Jesus. Ed Fosnott's dad was in the back, by the wall back there, right? Right by the pole back there. He gave his heart to Jesus at the Joseph play, the Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote it. We had to add a couple of things to make it anointed. And uh, we did. And uh, Ed's dad responded to it. Um, uh, my daughter-in-law, Megan, her her mother taught at Sheremeth, uh, uh grandmother, taught there for 30 years to the kids at Sheremeth, Jewish family, 
receive Jesus through these Christmas productions. And I'd go out and see Mr. Gelber. He'd be out smoking, and we'd be out talking. One time I hugged him, and I blew up his cigarette, and it was like went all up into his hairsprayed hair, and then all over me. And then we hugged, and it was awesome. I'll never forget that. And uh, that's what I, those are memories, church memories I have. Blowing up a cigarette and having it get in the guy's hair while I was hugging him. It was, it was crazy, and it was awesome. I want to run some laps with your son at the end of church. But anyway... Both of them, I got to be with them at their deathbed right when they died. And that was holy. It was holy. Thank you, Jesus, for that. God is so good. That's why we do it. It's not like, well, you're just in the socialist. The church is social. No, it, but we are social. I was talking with Reinhard Bonnke, and he said, church is a rescue ship, not a cruise ship. And afterwards, I said, you know, yes, Reinhard, I understand, but it's also a cruise ship. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, it's a holistic uh, life connection, family over the long haul. He said, "Oh yeah, I agree with that." And he said, "Because in a cruise ship, you know, it's like every you, you know just get fattened up with buffets everywhere, and then you got like fifty rock bands, and you got seven seventeen stand-up comedians, and you just kind of go roll yourself out of the, your galley and go rock around and just go from one buffet table to another, you know. And that is not supposed to be church, you know. That's not like let's indulge and imbibe. It's like." No, we get filled up so we can go out and be fed and be strengthened so we can change the whole world. And T.L. Osborne's definition for the purpose of Pentecost was, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. So the reason when we went to England and Liverpool and northern Wales and all over where we preached to get people spirit-filled and why I'm preaching this now is because it's, we need it. We need the Holy Spirit and I'll close with this. It's, it's, it's biblical, and it's, it's Joel chapter 2, verse 28. It was specifically prophesied and therefore fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all mankind, all flesh. And then in Isaiah 28, 11, this is fascinating. Isaiah 28, 11, it says... For uh, we will speak to this people through stammer. He will speak to this people through stammering t- lips and in a foreign tongue. He he will speak to this people. That's what happened in Acts. They were all filled with the Spirit. They spoke in tongues, and then people from all the nations heard them glorifying God and speaking the great things of God. This happened two times in my life. It happened in my wife in my wife's case. Uh, one time I was in church, and I ended the Sunday service, and I felt led to pray in tongues on the microphone, which I normally don't do. And I did for just a moment, and then I dismissed the service. Two men came from the back row, came up. They, were, they just were shocked looking. They said, where did you learn that language? I said, well, what do you mean? And then I realized, oh, they were referencing when I prayed in tongues. They said, that's an ancient, I think he said Syriac or something. They were from Iran, and their basis of their language is Persian, And he said the base of the Persian language before Persian language was this particular language, and they were required to learn it when they were kids for the basics, like like Catholics learn Latin, and, uh, you know, we learn Greek and Hebrew as we read the Bible. So uh, I said, well, may I ask you what you heard? They said, you were saying Jesus is Lord, and God God sent him, and it was like, it was was like, uh, and that happened another time when we were at Westport Plaza, and uh, we were witnessing up there. We'd go on dates and we'd go witnessing. 
It was really a great season to share the gospel. People were receptive, and I think it's starting to happen again. And uh, where we just engage, we weren't yelling and stuff. We just we just strike up conversation with people, and before you know it, we'd have these debates and discussions, you know, about evolution or whatever. And and, and but we'd end up talking about Jesus, and we'd get back to the centrality of Jesus. And one of the security guards. He's a Baptist guy, and he would try to run us off. You can't preach here. I said, well, because it's private property. I said, okay, well, we won't pass out literature. He said, but we will talk to people, but we won't, we won't stand up and preach. He goes, all right. So, but then there was a guy writhing on the ground by the fountain and foaming at the mouth, and it wasn't, uh, uh, you know, a physical condition. It was, he, he saw that something spiritual to what he was saying. It, was, it wasn't, uh, uh, you know, one of these conditions. Um, epilepsy or something like that and he, he called us and said can you help me so we went there and we cast the devil out of the guy so it's one minute he said get out of here and the next minute can you help and because and the guy did the guy the guy came to himself and it was and this whole crowd gathered and the guy stopped writhing and stuff like that and it was like cool man and Patsy was praying for me in the spirit and there was a man standing there from one of the Scandinavian countries and I think he was from Norway and he said I believe everything you just said. She said, what do you mean? So, well, I speak Norwegian, but I also speak Swedish, and you were just speaking in Swedish. And she said, well, what did I, do you mind telling me what I said? You said, if you call on Jesus, you'll be saved, and, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, or, uh, attesting to who God is. You guys, that, that's right out of the Bible. And, and that's, I'll just tell you, in 45 years, of, or 42 years of ministry, 50 years of Christian life, those are kind of rarities, but I actually think they should become more of the norm. Um, and I think that we should be coveting earnestly these things. Yeah. Now, not so as to be titillated, but to be equipped, the purpose of Pentecost, so that we can go into situations and really be sensitized to our times and to what's, what the, the condition of the situation is. So we could face situations, we could face trials and challenges, and we can have a word in season. Let's all stand up on our feet. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I appreciate you being here tonight. And I want to encourage you to come to the Christmas production at 3 and the one at 7. And then Sunday at 8, 9.30 and 11.15. And then Sunday night at 7. And uh, you guys that are usually come on the prayer meeting, come to the Christmas production and pray under your breath through the, this, the presentation. Okay, maybe come early and pray while we're preparing. Uh, maybe come at six thirty and you'll be prayed up for the seven o'clock session. We'll just you just pray uh, on your own. But let, put one hand on your heart, one hand up toward heaven. How many of you want Jesus as number one in your life? Wave to me. Maybe it's the first time. Maybe a rededication. Maybe I just love Jesus and want to affirm it. Say this with me. I love you, Jesus. You're the King of Kings. You're the Lord of Lords. Be the Lord of my life. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the mighty Holy Spirit. Baptize me. Fill me with supernatural strength for these end time days. I love you, Jesus. I endeavor to follow you by faith. I will serve you with gladness. I break depression off of my life, off of my family, off of my community, off the United States, 
off the entire planet. I pray for a global revival in the church and a harvest of souls in Jesus' name. Amen. Sing this with me. God.